This morning, I also want to encourage you to pray uh, for those in our congregation who are hurting or sad this morning or sick. I know uh, we definitely want to pray for uh, Ann Gunner, who is in the hospital this weekend, and just want to keep praying for them as well. We've been walking through the book of 1 John over the past several weeks, and this, this book, this short letter, is a very relational letter, and it deals with our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And John begins this letter by warning us about uh, wrong views and how we relate to God and how we relate to each other. And then going into chapter 2 through the rest of this letter, John is going to give the church three tests that will help them experience assurance of whether or not they have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this question. Is it possible to know if you have a relationship with God? Can you be sure that you are a Christian? If so, how do you you know? How do you know if you know God, if you have a relationship with God, if you're in God's family? Think about this. How do you know if you have a relationship with anybody? A friend or spouse, or a parent, a grandparent, or a grandchild, or a mother, or father, how do, how do you know you have a relationship with them? Well, there are many ways that perhaps you can figure that out. Maybe there are some indicators that you can see there. But in this letter, John is going to give us three tests, three indicators that will tell us whether or not we have a relationship with God. And you know, when you take a test, I know a lot of High school students, college students, graduate students, medical, medical school students, they're taking tests or they just got done taking tests. And so, you know, when you take a test, what it does is it shows you your current reality. Either you know this material or you don't. You know, here are the questions. All the test does is it shows what's already there. And so John is going to give us tests to see whether you know God or not. And he gives us three of them. And the three tests he's going to give us in the remainder of this letter are these. He gives us the test of obedience. And the second test is the test of love. And the third test is a test of truth. Now, in the nine verses we're going to look at this morning, we're only going to look at the first two tests. We're going to look at the test of obedience and the test of love. And so turn with me to 1 John 2. And we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 11. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. You can, you can grab that one and read along with us. So 1 John 2, verses 3 through 11. And this is what John writes. And by this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word... In Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in Him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. 
Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So let's look at this first test that John gives us to tell us whether or not we have saving faith. The first test is the test of obedience. Look again with me at verses 3 through 6 where he unpacks this test. He says, By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. I want you to notice here that John is saying that keeping God's commands flows from knowing Him. So, so keeping God's commandments, obeying God, actually flows from a relationship with God. Therefore, John can say, if you don't keep His commandments, then you don't know Him. Because to know Him is to follow Him and to obey Him. So in other words, if you don't keep the commandments, then you fail the test of saving faith. There is no relationship there. Now, how does knowing Christ, and he uses other terms too, he says knowing Christ, being in Christ, abiding in Christ, how do these terms, how do these realities result in us obeying Christ? Because, because clearly he's saying that obeying Christ flows from knowing Christ. I don't know if you've ever played sports or if you've had children or grandchildren or friends that have played sports, but when you are on a sports team, not so much when you're very young. You know, all my children uh, just completed their soccer season. And so needless to say, it was chaos. Three kids playing soccer every week. We were just going here and there all over the place. But, and it differed. You know, my, my daughter Lily, she's five years old. And so basically what soccer meant was you know, try to stay in bounds, you know, just run somewhere, this is a ball, you know, it's very basic. But as you get older, you know, your coaches try to uh, bring out more of that potential that's in you to become this great player that you can be. And so the coach gives you exercises to do, skills to perfect, and it can be difficult. And you may not want to do it. But if you're a player... And you know your coach, and you know your coach cares for you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be the player you can be. And so there's this genuine concern for your well-being, and he wants you to do well. And so when he tells you to do these certain things, you're more likely to do it because you see in him that there's this, there's this desire for him to want you to do well. However, if you had a coach that is all about, you know, just getting his name out there, uh, could care less about you, but he just wants the winning record or he wants the fame for himself, doesn't really give much concern for the players. It's going to be hard to obey a coach like that. You know, it's going to be hard to go through those hard days of practice and all that uh, weightlifting and the training. If you know the coach doesn't really care about you, it's all about the performance. And, you know, we all function like this. If you love someone... 
there's at least some desire within you to do what they want you to do. You know, if you love someone and you know that doing this certain thing would hurt them, you would probably avoid doing it because of your love for them. So you see how the relationship governs the behavior. And so as a player, if you have a coach that is concerned about you and wants to help you, you're more likely to obey the coach. Just like in any relationship, you're more likely to do that which is pleasing to the other person if you have that love relationship there. Just think about parenting or friendship. You know, are your kids your slaves? You know, is this some type of slavish obedience? You know, you just do it because you have to do it. Now, some kids may say, yeah, that's exactly what it is. (laughs) It's just slavish obedience. I just have to do it. Or friendship. You know, if your friends do something for you, is that just slavish obedience? I mean, I hope not. Or in your uh, marriage relationship or your, you know, to your grandchildren when you ask them to do something, you, you hope that they don't think that, you know, they have to perform for you in order for you to like them. However, you still tell them what's right to do. You tell them what's going to benefit them and you, and you expect them to behave in certain ways. But it flows out of your relationship with them. It's not some type of hard, slavish obedience. Now, in our relationship, sometimes we demand things from one another out of selfish motives. And so we're not perfect. And there's some conflict there sometimes. But whenever God commands us to do something, or asks us to do something in His Word, it's never out of impure motives. God always asks us to do things which are right and are actually for our own good. And so therefore, how much greater should we follow what God says for us than even those around us in our other relationships? Because God knows perfectly well what's good for us and what is for our own good. Now, why would you not obey God's commands? You know, I think about myself. If I believe that God has my best interest in mind, that He's loving, He's good, He's pure, everything He says is right, why would I not do what He says? Well, we don't always believe that. And sometimes we may see God as a dictator, just demanding things that that we don't believe are good or pleasing to us. And so we just would rather not do those things. And if you see God like that, if you see God as some harsh dictator instead of the loving Father in the way He's presented in Scripture to His children, His people, those who have faith in Him through Christ, if you see Him as a dictator, you're only going to see obedience as this action you have to perform out of fear. That if I don't do these things for God... He's going to wipe me out or He's going to take away all these other things that I like. He's going to, you know, take away all the fun in my life if I don't do what God wants because He's he's just that way. That's not the obedience that John's talking about here. He's saying, if you know Him, if you know His love, if if you know the fact that He's given His Son for you as He's explained in the first part of chapter 2, then you obey Him. And you actually want to obey Him. Because you'll see Him as He is, as a loving Father. You know, John tells us later in his letter in chapter 4, 
that perfect love casts out fear. In other words, if you have experienced God's love, then that fear of Him is put out. In other words, you don't see Him as this harsh dictator anymore. You see Him as someone you have a relationship with, a Father that loves you, that wants what's best for you, and therefore, you obey Him. And so John tells us, the first test of saving faith is obedience. Now, obedience flows from the relationship. Obedience does not put you in the relationship. Obedience flows from the relationship. It doesn't put you in the relationship. Therefore, if you know Him, John says, if you know Him, if you have experienced His grace and love in your life through Christ, if you have that, then you will obey. And that's the test. And so He's telling the Christians there, and He's telling us today, if you find yourself wanting to obey what Jesus commands, then you can be assured that you have a relationship with Him. The second test is the test of love. In verses 7-11, through 11, this is what John writes. Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in Him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now what is this new commandment that John's talking about? He says, I'm writing to you this new commandment. What is it? Well, John doesn't necessarily explicitly tell us, okay, this is the new commandment, but he gives us a very practical outworking of what that commandment is. And you see it in verse 10. He says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And so this new commandment that John is talking about is this idea of loving one another. Loving your brother, loving your sister. However, John says that this isn't a new commandment, it's actually an old one. And so listen to these verses here. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to the edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane the name of of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, 
lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so you see these verses go into great detail about how we are to love our neighbor. How are we to love one another? And these verses are found in the book of Leviticus, in the Old Testament. And so John is saying, this, this concept I'm giving you to love one another, this isn't new. This is, this is old. This is, this is old school. This is back in Leviticus. You know, you've always known this. You know, when God is bringing out a people for Himself to love Him and love others, this was foundational. If you know God, what will flow out of that is you love one another. And God tells you specifically, okay, this is what it would look like for you to love one another. In John's Gospel, this is what he writes In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So you see in Leviticus, you see in Jesus' teaching, and you see in John's teaching that God's people are to love one another. Now, you may say, well, Ron, if the commandment is an old one, then why does John say this is a new one? Well, one scholar said it like this. He says, the newness of the commandment lies in the fact that it rests on the example of God's supreme love seen in Jesus himself and that it offers the possibility of a new kind of life. It does not mean that Jesus was the first to tell men to love one another. He was, however, the first to reveal fully the self-giving love of God, which constitutes the pattern for His disciples to follow. And so this isn't an old commandment in that it's, it's new and yet it replaces some old one, but rather it's an extension of the old one and it's demonstrated fully in what Christ has done for us on the cross. And so John is telling us that if we are in Christ, then we are to show the same type of Christ's love to other people. Now, we use the term love in a number of different ways. You may say, I love pizza. And what you're saying is, I enjoy pizza. I like eating pizza. Pizza brings me pleasure. I like it. Okay, that, that type of use of the word love is more of a, a getting variety. You know, it's, I love this because of what I can get out of it. I love ice cream. I love pizza. I love chocolate. You know, I love these things because of what I get out of it. But... But God's love is different. God's love is not a getting type of love. It's a giving type. And so, if you have this type of love in your life, what you'll do is you'll love other people for their good. In other words, pleasing others will in turn bring pleasure to yourself. In other words, you want what's best for them. Not just what's best for you. I love pizza. It's what's best for me. You know, I love you and I, I want to help you. I want to give myself to you. I want to you know, sacrifice this so that you can have that because I think it will be for your good. That is a giving type of love. And that's the type of love John is talking about here. 
So the question is, is that the type of person you're becoming? Because John says, if you know Him, if you know Christ, then you will be becoming more of this type of person. This will help you to be assured that you do know Him, that you have a relationship with Him. If you're growing in your desire to see other people thrive. And then John uses this metaphor of light and dark again. But this time he applies it to those who love and those who hate. This is what he says in verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, have you ever tried to walk in the darkness? It's kind of hard to do and not hurt yourself. You know, my son, we were over at my mother's house a few years ago. And my kids were in the back bedroom playing and my nieces were back there playing. And they were having a good time. You could tell they were getting a little rowdy. And then all of a sudden, I heard this blood-curdling scream. And my son walks out of the room with just blood pouring down his face. And I'm usually the one that does the triage. So I grab my son, take him to the bathroom, clean him up, and I find this huge gash on the side of his eye. Just misses his eye, eyeball by about a fourth of an inch. And after, everybody's hysterical. Everybody's crying. And so once we calm everybody down, we just, what happened? Well, we were playing, everything was fine, and then somebody cut the lights out. And he fell and hit the bedpost right there on his eye. Like Alex was saying earlier, to try to walk in the darkness or play in the darkness is a very dangerous thing. And John is saying, if you hate your brother, that's exactly what you're doing. You're walking in the darkness. You're playing in a dangerous place. You know, it's one thing to hide in the darkness, but if you've ever tried to walk or play or jump around in the darkness, it can be very dangerous. And John is saying that the person who does not love his brother... The person who does not desire the well-being of his brother is a person who is walking in the darkness. But not only are you walking in the darkness, but you're actually hating your brother. Listen to how one scholar puts this. He says, his concept of love is caring for the needs of others. And we we got that part. Okay, loving someone is caring for their needs, uh, even to the point of self-sacrifice. We got that part. Okay, it's going to take some sacrifice to look out for the well-being of other people. I can see that. But then he goes on to say, If I am unwilling to do that for somebody in need, I love myself more than them. I am not being merely neutral, but I'm actually hating him. So John is using very strong language. And he's saying, if we're not in a position where we're actually loving other people and that we're wanting their well-being then we're hating them. There's no neutral ground. We're either loving people or we're hating people. We're either walking in the light or we're walking in the darkness. And so the second test of saving faith is that do we have this growing love for others? Do we love our brothers and sisters? So on this Mother's Day, as many of us are reminded of the self-sacrificing love of our mothers, let us us recognize that however great your mother loved you, or didn't love you, that God's love for you is much greater. 
And if you are in Christ, then you will have a growing desire to both obey God's commands and to love others. So the question, is it possible to know whether or not you have a relationship with God? Is it possible to know you're a Christian? The answer is a very assuring, yes, it is possible. You can know. But the question now is, do you have a relationship with God? Do you know Him? Have you placed your faith in Him? If you do not, then why spend another day searching around in the darkness when you can come into the light? In Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we were reminded of the woman who gave you birth, we're also reminded of the one who came into the world to give us new birth, new spiritual birth, and that's Jesus Christ. As we stand and sing our closing hymn, I invite you to respond to God in the way He would have you to respond. And I'll meet you in the front for prayer, or if you need to make a decision, for Christ. Let us stand and sing.